The Albanese government introduces new taxes for people with very high superannuation balances. Retail sales surge, but economists think the economy is slowing ahead of today's GDP figures. And Bunnings goes big in the $10 billion pet care industry. It's Wednesday, the 1st of March, 2023. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. How did book launch day go yesterday? Uh, it was fantastic. A really good day. Thanks, Sean. It was um, it was great to, to kickstart the day with the interview with you. And I really enjoyed listening back to that chat. Don't normally like listening back to myself, but I enjoyed that, that interview. And then I spent yesterday morning in the uh, 2GB and 4BC studio speaking to Ray Hadley and then visiting a few bookshops. So no, it's great fun. Signed a few books. All fun. Fantastic. Well done. Ah, uh, everyone, get out there. Get What's the name of the book again, Michael? It's called How to Be Remembered. How to Be Remembered in all good bookstores near you. Uh, well said, Sean. Now, you've got an interview coming up today uh, with Andy Hiscox, who is the CEO of NetStock Australia, a leader in supply chain management. Sean, I, I don't really know kind of how to lead into this because your opening question is a cracker. Yes. Well, I said after... Who would have ever thought that supply chains could be sexy? And Andy, without hesitation, goes, I've always thought supply chains were sexy. And off we went from there. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great chat. I mean, who would have thought supply chains could be interesting or as interesting as they've become over the past couple of years? But the pandemic has really brought supply chains to the fore of how the economy runs. So we get into some detail with Andy about that. It's a really interesting chat. Yeah, it is a good one. It is coming up a little bit later on. The main story this morning, Sean, though the Albanese government will tax superannuation balances over $3 million at 30%, up from 15%, in a move that it says will generate revenue of $2 billion each year. Yes, around 80,000 people are expected to be affected by the change, and it follows a speech from Treasurer Jim Chalmers last week in which he proposed to legislate the purpose of superannuation. Remember that purpose he says, should be about delivering income for a dignified retirement in an equitable and sustainable way. Seems this is part of that. Chalmers said that balances over $3 million went beyond what's necessary to fund a comfortable retirement. The new rules will come into force in 2025-26 and there'll be no forced sell-off of assets. It's just if you hold more than $3 million in super, you'll be taxed more. Sean, there's a lot of money in this. Super tax breaks cost the budget $48.2 billion a year. Yes, the majority flows through to high-income earners. About 55% of the benefit of tax breaks goes to the top 20% of income earners, according to the government's own tax expenditures and insights statement, which was released yesterday. Chalmers said pulling back some of this tax leakage is necessary for budget repair, particularly given we're spending a lot more in areas such as health, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, aged care and defence. Sean, I don't know about you, but it feels like this kind of came to a head very, very quickly because it was only last week that the $3 million figure was just first being floated and the potential that we might find out more between kind of then and the federal budget. And here we are now with kind of definite details of a policy change. Given the government before the last election said it wouldn't change super, this is likely to create a bit of a divide in politics. Yeah, I think you're right. It really did come to a head quickly. It certainly enables the opposition to say the government hasn't stuck to its election promise and provides a difference between the two parties. But I'm not sure that Chalmers and his boss, Anthony Albanese, 
are really worried about suffering too much political damage from this, particularly since they're changing tax rates for people with a lot of money. Even the industry itself wasn't fighting too hard, though the big funds had recommended new tax rates for people with $5 million balances and above. Obviously, the government's come in lower than that. The question which I'm sure the government's opponents will ask is whether this is just the beginning. Super in Australia is worth $3.4 trillion. According to the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority, it released new figures yesterday. That is a very tempting honeypot. And when there's something close to $50 billion in tax breaks, that is going to be hard for the government to stay away from. Yeah, the the opposition will probably welcome this really as something that they can really kind of sink their teeth into now and, 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 and tackle the government over. Yeah, I mean, the government has had such a honeymoon period. They were elected in May last year. We're in March. So that is a 10-month or 9 or 10-month golden run for the Albanese government. This is something that actually gives the opposition some space to say something that's different too. Yeah, it is safe to say, Sean, that we will be hearing about this for some time to come. How did local markets perform yesterday? S&P ASX 200 closed up half a percent to 7,258 points. For the month of February, though, the market was down about 3%. Now, remember, it surged about 7% during January. So the pullback last month, February, in the middle of earnings season, is not really a surprise. If you take the market over the past three months, it's pretty flat. The fortunes of the iron ore miners turned around somewhat yesterday with Fortescue rising nearly 3%. BHP was up 1.5% and Rio Tinto more than 1%. The banks were generally lower, though both National Australia Bank and Macquarie eked out small gains. The energy companies had a good day with Woodside up more than 2%. Santos was 1.6% higher. Woodman, the industrial property group, was another strong performer. It was up nearly 2%. Now, it was the final day of earnings season. Plenty of smaller companies reported. Just a few of the highlights, Cement Group Adbury said full-year profit was down 12%. That sent its share price down 7%. It also warned it may have to close one of its biggest plants unless the government changes its proposed safeguard mechanism. Now, remember, that mechanism is all about providing big polluters with a way to reducing emissions. Another interesting one, Silk Laser's share price jumped 13% after it delivered a big rise in profit. Now, the group said, Michael, this one is for you, Consumers are placing a higher priority on Botox injections and beauty treatments than buying new dresses and jumpers. That would have to be a pretty seasonal business, wouldn't it, Sean? You think kind of summer, hair removal treatments go up, silk lasers, (laughs) profit rises. I don't know, I'm speculating here. I'm just assuming. What do you think? I have never thought much about it. No, but maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Hmm. Uh, Tyro Payments earnings came in ahead of expectations. Its share price was up about 1%. Rex, the regional express airline, trimmed its interim losses. And bookmaker PointsBet said that its interim loss worsened to $178.2 million. That's a lot of money. It's doing okay in Australia. It's a top five betting company, but not so in the very competitive US market. It's about number seven in that market. Not sure that the money they spent on Shaquille O'Neal is working. We all see him in the ads. In Australia, PointsBet's share price fell more than 10% yesterday. All right, international markets, what's been happening? Look, oil prices have continued to fall. Now, they've dropped for four months in a row. Interesting. 
Mind you, at around 82 US dollars a barrel, Brent crude remains historically high. And certainly when you're filling up your car, you don't feel that you're getting cheap petrol. Cryptocurrencies have come off a bit after a couple of months of pretty good results. Bitcoin's currently trading around 23,000 US dollars a unit. And Michael, the Aussie dollar remains just above 67 US cents. All right. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, retail sales surged by nearly 2% last month, but economists say that if you look over three months, it's clear that the economy is slowing. Yes, that's because retail trade fell 4% in December and rose 1.7% in November. If you look through the volatility, the Bureau of Statistics says turnover has been flat over the past few months. Now, food spending was up in January, particularly eating out, and there was a jump in department store and household goods spending. But the consensus among economists is that higher interest rates and mortgage repayments and rising unemployment, albeit from a low base, will drag on spending in coming months. And there was a slew of other economics data out yesterday as well. Yeah, there was, and most of it contributes to the December quarter economic growth figures, which are due for release this morning at 11.30am. The big one was a current account surplus, which came in at $14.1 billion for the December quarter. That's a big number. Of course, that's due to higher commodity prices. Net exports will now contribute about 1% to the December quarter GDP. That's a fair bit. Economists reckon growth will come in at close to 3%, between 25 and 3%, which actually wouldn't be too bad an outcome. We'll find out later today. It's a very big week for economists out there, Sean. This is an interesting one. The corporate regulator has accused retail supergiant Mercer of misleading members about the sustainability of its investments. Yes, or of greenwashing, which is a term we're all going to hear much, much more of. The Australian Securities and Investments Commission alleges Mercer superannuation misled members of its Sustainable Plus Fund by claiming it excluded companies involved in carbon-intensive fossil fuels But then the allegation is it invested in companies like AGL Energy, BHP, Glencore and Whitehaven Coal. ASIC also alleges that it told members it excluded alcohol producers and gambling outfits from the fund, but then invested in 34 companies across the two sectors, companies like Crown Resorts, Tabcor, Budweiser, Carlsberg and Heineken. It's the first time ASIC has taken a company to court alleging greenwashing, hence the rest of of the fund's management industry will be watching this very, very closely. Retailer Harvey Norman's share price tumbled 7.5% yesterday to $3.85 after the group said sales fell sharply in January. But, Sean, the ever-optimistic, ever-enthusiastic chair, Jerry Harvey, says Australia is not headed for a recession. Don't you love Jerry Harvey? He's, he's, he's got to be one of the most enthusiastic people you will ever meet. Yes, in everything, in retail, in horse racing, in life. He just loves what's going on in the moment. It's fantastic. Anyway, net profit at Harvey Norman didn't do so well for the final six months of 2022, falling 15%, and the company will pay a lower than expected dividend. Now, Jerry Harvey said the company was feeling confident it will be okay, but not great. He said finding workers was tough, and no matter what the media says, there's still plenty of money floating about in the community out there. Now, professional investors highlighted the higher-than-normal inventories at Harvey Norman and weakness in post-Christmas trading. 
Harvey Norman is just the latest retailer to suggest a slowing in the economy. JB Hi-Fi, Coles and Woolies have all done that during this earnings season. So too some of the smaller players, City Chic being one, Adore Beauty being another. You put the retail sales together, the anecdotal evidence from these retailers together, and you really do get the picture that the economy is slowing. Sean, this is a really important story, this next one. Federal Workplace Minister Tony Burke has asked state and territory ministers to fast-track a ban on the domestic use of silica following its link to a deadly lung condition. An estimated 600,000 workers have been exposed to silica dust generated through mining, construction, building and manufacturing. Kitchen bench tops made from engineered stone are particularly dangerous, with about one in four stonemasons who work with them developing the deadly and incurable disease, silicosis. It's a very important story. Staying in Canberra, Michael, the first meeting of the government's National Housing Supplier and Affordability Council was held yesterday in Sydney. The council will present recommendations to the government on how to improve the current situation. And Attorney-General Mark Dreyfus says Labor has had constructive talks with the coalition regarding the voice to parliament, saying there's a need to modernise referendums more generally to make them a little bit like general elections. Now, I mentioned this one at the top of the show, Sean Bunnings is shifting into pet care, its first big launch of a new range of products in nearly 20 years. Now, Michael, what do you reckon the last big launch of a new range of products from Bunnings was? When I read this story initially, I had no clue. I would maybe the the garden uh, part, as in like the the nursery section? Hmm, Kitchens. Really? Because the, the, the kitchens are a big part of it now. Huge part of it. And they went into those about two decades ago, but they, they started with more of the nursery-style products. But, yeah, anyway, this is – so pet care is worth around $10 billion and it's growing fast. Wes Farmers owned Bunnings is jumping into it. It's about to launch a specialty pet care department. It'll offer items ranging from food to toys and bowls for cats, dogs, birds, according to the Financial Review. The department will launch next month and include close to 1,000 new items in a major expansion of its current offering of kennels, mats, bedding, and pet doors. I've got to ask you, Michael, do you own a pet? Yes, we have two cats. Do you? I I expected you to say no, really. Yes. You are not a pet person. No, I'm not a pet person yet. We still have two cats. Um, No, they're very affectionate. They're too affectionate. As you you probably gathered, Sean, I, I don't like a lot of contact. I like to stay at home. I like my space. And these cats don't respect my personal space. Mm. Have a word to them. Yes. You're a dog man, aren't you? Ah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not a pet person. What what I did find, Bunnings, when they were giving their explanation yesterday, one of the reasons why they should go into pet care, they were saying, well, people always bring their animals into the stores anyway. So we might as well just push into that area, which was then it kind of, I mean, our dog Flo, if I took Flo to Bunnings and said, which sort of pet food would you like, Flo? Flo would be off chasing another dog. Flo wouldn't care. No, no. What I hope is just that they have a full range of pet food. I would like to go in and buy like an industrial-sized bag of cuttlefish for a budgie, you know, like a 10-kilo bag. (laughs) That that would be fantastic. But you know what, Sean? I'm getting the kind of vibe that you and I will not be approached by Bunnings to do live reads for their new pet care range. Yep, I suspect you're right. And with good reason, Bunnings, with good reason. Yes, absolutely. It does make sense. Uh, In international news, Sean, after 945 days Hong Kong has dropped its mask mandate from today. 
Leader John Lee hopes the change marks the end of the prolonged COVID era that damaged Hong Kong's economy and, and standing in the world. He said the city-state is returning to normalcy. I can't say that word, Michael. Normalcy. 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 It's like lure. L-U-R-E. We were laughing about them the week and I can't say that word. I can't say normalcy. What I love is the fact that you still volunteered a pronunciation of lure just then when you know you can't say it. I know that you were going to bring it up. I was. So I felt I had to, yeah. <laughs> you, you tried to preempt it. Well done. Yeah. Anyway, he said the city state is returning to business as usual. How about that? And the focus now is on the economy and development. And Hong Kong is kicking things off with a bang. This month, it's going to host a massive music festival, an international art show, and the traditional rugby sevens tournament. Sean, Canada has banned Chinese-owned social media app TikTok from government-issued devices, saying that it presents an unacceptable level of risk to privacy and security. Yes, this is an interesting story. The move underscores the growing lobby against TikTok nationally. Now, of course, TikTok is owned by Chinese company ByteDance. It's very close to Beijing, apparently and has great hold over user data across the world. TikTok's data collection methods provide considerable access to the contents of the phone, Canadian officials said. They were added there's no evidence at this point that government information has been compromised. TikTok said it was disappointed by the decision, adding it thought it was curious. Canada is blocking the app only after similar bans in the European Union and the US. The European Commission imposed a similar ban last week. The US Senate in December passed a bill to bar federal employees from using the app on government-owned devices. India banned TikTok a couple of years ago. Certainly, the movement against TikTok is growing. Sean, at last, the world is normal again. Elon Musk has regained his spot as the world's richest person after briefly briefly losing the title to Bernard Arnault, the French owner of the LVMH luxury brand. Yes, what a relief. After two months of things just being not right, Musk takes over again. Now, of course, he owns a big chunk of Tesla's shares and the electric vehicle manufacturer's share price has actually doubled since January 6. And that's because investors are kind of getting more comfortable buying risky assets. They're also less concerned about the time Musk is spending on Twitter. It doesn't seem like he's spending as much time on Twitter, which is probably a good thing for Tesla shareholders. According to Bloomberg's Billionaires Index, Musk is now worth $187.1 billion US dollars, ahead of Arnaud's $185.3 billion. Up next, Sean, is the Fear and Greed Daily interview with Andy Hiscox, CEO of NetStock Australia, which is a leader in supply chain management. They do it all around the world. Yep, they sure do. Great chat about how companies have changed how they think about supply chain management, particularly around planning to become better operators, which at the end of the day flows through to the bottom line. Yeah, it's a really interesting chat. And Andy is actually speaking at the Accounting Business Expo on the 14th and 15th of March. Just search Accounting Business Expo for more. They are great supporters of this podcast. And Sean, of course, it is Wednesday, which means there is a new episode of our other podcast, How Do They Afford That, out today. This week, Sean, I I really want you to have a listen to this one and tell me what you think. Because it is all about, obviously, today is the 1st of March. It is all about manifesting March. This idea that you can essentially manifest positive kind of money flow into your life. It's very, I'm a massive skeptic on this. And Canna Campbell really does a fantastic job of convincing me that it is in fact real. So I'll be keen to hear your judgment. Okay, I will do that, Michael. All right. Thank you very much, Sean.
Thanks, Michael. It's Wednesday, the 1st of March, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.